first I show and show. Somebody has uh, an account in Bank Lumi. You have a account in Bank Lumi? I went into the bank by accident today and they gave me a really nice agoda. Really nice agoda. Beautiful, in fact. Which is a collation of pages from other kinds of agodas and, and pictures and maps. So, you know. Which bank I, where I went, I went to Rehov Yaakov, you know, near, uh, no, the other end, Rehov Yaakov, Rehov Yaakov, yeah, by Aturim, right, oh, you know all the banks, you must be an Olech Hadad, <laughs> no, I never go to the bank, I really, uh, I, I dislike it immensely, <laughs> So, but they gave me, she says to me, do you want to have got it? So I said, is that like, are you going to make a Seder? <laughs> I said, if so, yes, I want it. So anyway, that's why I got it and I brought it. <coughs> okay, we, we talked about uh, a few things. One was, one we didn't really talk about, but I spoke about in the past. And that is the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu is absent from the Haggadah. And certainly Moshe Rabbeinu as an ideal of leadership might have, under certain circumstances, uh, been uh, uh, displayed more uh, generously in the Haggadah. But it's not, it's not in the Haggadah, and it's a question. On the other hand, we saw that by Kriyat Yamsuf, Kriyat Yamsuf, which is uh, also not in the Haggadah, really, you remember that there are ten, we recognize ten plagues, right? Dam, Swadea, Kinim, etc. And we drop a, we, we use one of our fingers to put drops of wine on the, on the table, I guess indicating the seriousness of the undertaking. And, uh, and then there are drashot that are said about the ten makot, the tzach adash ba'achav, which itself has become kind of a crux, because even though it's presented, as a memory device, we like to think that there's some hidden meaning to the Tzach Adash Bacha. So as a result, I turned my attention to, um, I turned my attention to the, um, uh, to Kriyat Yamsuf, which is not mentioned in the Haggadah, really. And we looked at the parasha and we saw that the parsha ends with some notion of emunah vayaminu v'ashem uvemoshe avdo vayaminu v'ashem moshe avdo which sounds like the kind of statement you wouldn't want to miss out on like it's so uh, it's so pointed and so I mean it makes Kriyat Yamsuf the essential uh, uh, act that HaKadosh Baruch did for Am Yisrael that's what uh, that's what I would think. And then to further explain what Vayaminu Bashem or Moshe Avdo meant, after all, Yitziat Mitzrayim were ten plagues. Vayaminu Bashem, Moshe Avdo only takes place at Kriyat Yamsuf. I told you that there is a, um, a Torah of Rav Nachman of Bratzlev which explains <coughs> that you have to differentiate between miracles that are within nature and miracles that are that overwhelm nature 
miracles that are within nature are the ten plagues even though the Ramban divides it up a little bit differently as I, I mentioned last week but you could say that all of the ten plagues are natural except for the no no it was not so uncommon for plagues to take place in the ancient world and the plagues often treated children more more uh, uh, harshly than adults what? Which one? But but it was the memory of it. It was anybody who had a baby, one baby, that baby would die. It doesn't say in the Torah that there were no other babies that died. Right? It always why would you think that if it was a plague, say, why would you think that the firstborn would die? Why would you remember it that way? Because there were probably a lot of firstborn children. A lot of children died. In any event in those days. Was, uh, I, I don't want to defend a theory, but, but I mean, it's possible that they Sardea. What was the plague of Sardea? It was like, oh, there were a lot of them at that time, at that place. But God didn't recreate the frogs. and didn't recreate the locusts. They didn't create, recreate the... Uh, lice, right? Lice. Certainly not. That we're still all suffering from from locusts and from lice. You know, we're nothing has nothing has changed. But the the makkah, the the plague was that Moshe Rabbeinu said, "Let there be," and there was. So it was the, the timing that made it a plague. That made it come from uh, from God. And so we understood why the Egyptians were able to defend themselves against this idea they said who knows maybe maybe it just happened it just happened like nobody the locusts now in Israel nobody says it's a plague it, it just happened it was an accident the wind blew this way it didn't blow that way so we have so we have locusts so along comes Rabbi the Brasmus and Rabbi Brasmus says said this that when the Jews left when I say he said this it, I don't mean he said it but you can look in, in the, it's Torah Zion Paragraph Aleph that I'm quoting, right? Part one, Zion Aleph. You can look it up. But I'm going to say it this way: when he said that belief, uh, you could believe that 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 a miracle, something to take place for your benefit in nature, that's a low level of emunah of faith. What's a high level of emunah? That God is willing to change God's will, so to speak. For your benefit. In other words, it's impossible in nature for Kriyat Yamsuf to happen. Right? It's impossible in nature for Kriyat Yamsuf to happen. Who said that? Chazal said that. Chazal said, how do they say it? They said that Kriyat Yamsuf was formatted into Kriyat Olam. That on the sixth day, when all these things, you know, the chauffeur, the Ashoayel, the Hamor of Bilam, there were certain things that Chazal could not understand that something could happen that would run contrary, at least those people who said these things, that, that something could happen that would run contrary to the will, God's will in creating the world. So if God created the world such that there were no animals who talked, having a talking animal was was contrary 
to that original will in creation and that really couldn't be so how did they solve that problem? how did Chazal solve that problem? they said well it was pre-programmed that in 2,000 years a donkey will be born that can, that can talk right, so the same thing is true about Kriyat Yamsuf Kriyat Yamsuf couldn't happen because there's no such thing there's no evidence that there could ever be a sea that splits and the water becomes a choma like a, a wall but that's what happened and so means that they now believe that God was willing to protect Am Yisrael and to carry out the promise of bringing them to Eretz Yisrael even if it meant doing a miracle that ran contrary to nature the kind of miracle that would stop the Egyptians in their track they would not be able to put out <laughs> in any event they all died so it didn't make any difference so that's what we were that's the summary of what we were talking about before we continue I want to mention that this year is sponsored in memory of J. Gershon Newman Zal Rav Kalman Gershon Akoin Zal Ben Binyamin Akoin Visara Uh, of course uh, these are again friends, close friends and I I knew uh, Rabbi Gershon Newman a little bit he was around for many years on the Lower East Side of Manhattan Lower East Side like near Mount Sinai Hospital that's not so long so so we are pleased to be able to dedicate this year in his honor so that's what we said last time right in in brief but now I want to mention I want to mention a mystery in the story of Kriyat Yamsuf if you look at the text again the 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 text of Kriyat Yamsuf it pasuk kaf alef it says vayet Moshe et yado al ayam vayolech Hashem et ayam ברוח קדימ אזא כל הלילה, ויאשם את הים לחורבה. It was the wind blew all night, and the wind spread the waters out. And spreading the waters out, there was dry land. There were, or there was land you could walk on uh, in the middle. ויבק uh, ומים, and the waters split. And B'nai Yisrael, this is what it says, it says, B'nai Yisrael betoch ha-yam b'yabasha. They were in the yam, in the dry land. And so there's a very uh, creative, I think, uh, pshat, by the Nitziv that he says how can you be in the Yam and in the dry land at the same time right how I mean are you in the Yam or are you in the dry land <laughs> so he says oh you have to understand the Israel were moving forward so they were in the dry land the Egyptians were running after them and as the Egyptians got cleared to the water the water started collapsing on them so that's Betochayam, 
Bayabasha. So there was both at the same time. That's what the Nitzis, the Nitzis says in his commentary. Which I thought was a, a, nice, a nice point. But look at what Chazal say. If you look at the, the quote under, under the Chumash, Shmot Rabbah, so the, the Medrash says, So the Medrash asks the question, I mean, you can't be in the Yam and in the Yabasha. You can't be in the waters and in the dry land at the same time. You have to be in one or the, or the other. Chotaman is their noses. Their noses. They had to walk into the sea and they had to walk and walk and walk until the water came up to their noses. Now, I don't know how it worked, but everybody, they divided themselves up by size or something. <laughs> what the Medrash think? And they found that when they really couldn't walk anymore. So it's, it's like a story, there are two parts to the story. One has Mesirut Nefesh, they did what Moshe Rabbeinu told them to do, even though it seemed like totally crazy, and they were rewarded for their for their dedication by the fact that that the sea split. So according to this measure, if you'd say, who caused the sea to split? I mean, of course, it was Moshe Rabbeinu, I guess. But if you look at the Sukim, you see the Sukim say again, pasuk. Uh, uh, so that sounds like all of that happened before B'nai Yisrael went into the water it was like, like goes backwards according to this Medrash that the second Pasuk and there was like all these things were happening simultaneously so there was a wind and the wind was pushing the waters away but <coughs> I guess the wind did not push the waters away enough uh, because the day Israel still went into the water and the water covered them up to their noses up to you know as high as you could imagine so that's what uh, Okay, so the Medjush remains a little bit unclear. The Medjush remains a little unclear. How did it happen? After all, Moshe Rabbeinu made a demand on B'nai Yisrael, and that demand was that they should go into the water. But was there dry land before they went in? Or was there dry land only after they went in? That seems to be, that seems to be a little bit unclear. So now we'll look at the Gemara. The Gemara is here at the bottom of the page. I have a Gemara here, but I can't really see it, so it doesn't matter. Titania. The Gemara, in Sota, Daf Lamed Vav Amud Bet. This is a piece of Agadita. Right? It starts with the word Titania. 
which means it's kanedik. But we usually, in, certainly in halacha, give a lot of credibility. Gives a lot of credibility to anything that is kanedik. Like that's the you can't really disagree easily with something that is uh, attributed to Tanaim. So the Tanya means it's a Brighta. A Brighta means that it's not collected in the Mishnah or the Tosefta. It's just in the air. They knew it. They knew this Brighta. Those of you that see wrote the or compiled or edited or did whatever he did with the Mishnah um, there were a lot of things left out. Some of them were collected in the Tosefta, which was done by his Talmidim, Ravchi and Ravoshia. But there were still more things that were uncollected. We call them Breitot. And we know about them from the Gemara. The Gemara quotes them, so we know that they exist. One of the words that the Gemara uses to quote a Breitot, before it quotes a Breitot, is the Tanya. It means a Tanaitic, a Tanaitic statement, which in halacha is of great significance, because the last step in the study of halacha is always the determination, like what is the halacha. So if the Tanaim said something, it's hard to avoid that. It's hard to avoid what they said. When it comes to agadah. Right, all the positions are equal. It doesn't really... Because you don't have to determine anything. You have to determine. <coughs> and you don't have any way of determining which position is more correct than the other position. In modern times, we've learned, we've learned in like thinking about things that you can have different positions on the same, on the same matter. Right? It's not... Uh, but once that was a difficult idea. That was a more difficult idea. So what does the Tanya say? Ayar Rabbi Meir Omer. Listen to this. Kishabdu Yisrael Halayam. So he's saying, I'm going to tell you something. When Bnei Yisrael was standing at Yam Suf and waiting for this miracle to happen, Kishabdu Yisrael Halayam. Ayushvatim Minatzchim Zeim Zeim. Minatzchim means they would fight with each other. Or they would wrestle with each other about something. What were they wrestling about? Zeomer, In other words, they already realized they realized that this was a good work, that Moshe Rabbeinu was trustworthy, and they wanted to have the honor of being first. They wanted to jump in first. And here this honor was fought over by tribe. Right, the tribe of Ruvain said, I'll go first. The tribe of Shimon said, I'll go first. Kafat shifto shel binyamin, v'yarad layam t'chila. Now, when we have our memory of binyamin, you know, there's certain people that you might associate with binyamin, but you know, I'll tell you because it's going to be important for us later on, that binyamin, very small tribe, very small tribe in area, in Eretz Israel, and Yehuda, very big tribe in Eretz Israel, right? They are Yehuda was Yerushalayim and south. Everything in Eretz Israel south of Yerushalayim really belonged to Yehuda, even though at the bottom 
of this big expanse was Shimon. Now, how Shimon got there, I don't know, but he was there. So, uh, Yehuda is Yerushalayim in south. Very big. Benjamin is Yerushalayim in north. Little bit. Very little. But they shared, Yehuda and Benjamin shared the area upon which the Beit HaMikdash was built. So I'm just telling you that Yehuda and Binyamin had something in common or had some issue ultimately in common. We're talking about Kriyat Yabzu. So what happened? Kavachif goes to Binyamin. V'yarad ayam t'chila Right? I'm going to leave out the Pesukim. This is a possibly the quote from Tehillim. Uh, I, I, mean, I don't want to get involved. The Pesukim are too complicated. But but the what's his uh, Binyamin jumped in first. Did somebody ask him to? Says, what do you mean he jumped in first? He was like he was like um, wiry. He made it. He zapped in there where no one else was looking, and he was the first one. Shem Binyamin Tzair Odem. I'll take your name. Elorajab. There's some kind of a drasha from a difficult word in a pasuk in Tehillim that that you don't read it what it says, but read Radiab like two words. He went out into the sea. Vayusare <coughs> Yehuda. Remember Yehuda? Yehuda very big in Eretz Yisrael. We're talking about Kriyat Yamsuf. Sarei Yehuda Rogmim. Otam. And they were so angry, Yehuda, that they stoned them. Imagine the story. Here they are, the Egyptians are running after them. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Go. And they're all uh, uh, fighting with each other, screaming at each other. And Sarei Yehuda, Rogmim Otam Shinemar, another Pasuk. Sarei Yehuda, Regamatam. That, the, that the, the officers of Yehuda stoned them. Stoned who? Stoned when? Okay, it's the same. It's the, the same uh, Pasuk, right? And therefore, Binyamin, who is known to us as being righteous, and he was a, a, a one who. <laughs> a guest of the Gvura. He, he became the, the hotelier of the Gvura. You know that? Because he was the one who had the territory. He had the territory. So here, the, the Brita is telling us a story which, if you haven't learned Sota, Daf, Lamed, Zion, Amr, Aleph in your life, you may never have heard this story. It may not exist for you that there was some kind of a fight about who's going to go into into uh, uh, the Yamsu first and Binyamin was very aggressive and they ran in before the fight was over, you know, the more civilized fighters wait until the, you know, it's all in and Binyamin didn't act that way but Binyamin was rewarded for jumping into the sea first by the fact that he became the possessor of the 
the territory that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would uh, inhabit. That's what it says. This is says in the Gemara. Shneemar, Uvein Tevav Shachein, Binyamin Amar, da da da. Okay? Story number one. Omalo Rabbi Yehuda. So who is, who is this? Rabbi Meir. Omalo Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said, you, there are sheets over there, right? Yeah, okay. Do you need anyone a sheet? Uh, so Rabbi Yudin says, well, no, that never happened. Would you say, never happened? What happened? Exactly the opposite. The tribes all stood there. And he said, not me. I'm not doing this. I'm not following Moshe Rabbeinu's dictate. I don't want to die in the sea. I'll take my chances with the Egyptians. That's what they would say. Okay, the Egyptians don't want to kill us, they thought. The Egyptians would rather we come back and be slaves. Right, so, so we'll take our chances with the Egyptians. So that's the story. You probably heard that story. Right? We all know that story. That Kafat Nachshon was a person. Yehuda. He was the tribe of Yehuda. So it's the opposite. Not only didn't Binyamin jump in, but somebody from Yehuda jumped in. The only thing is, it wasn't a tribe. It was an individual. An individual whose name was Nachshon ben Aminadav. V'yarad liyam t'chila sh'neemar s'vavuni v'kachash Ephraim u'v'mirma b'et Yisrael v'yehuda od rachim od redimev v'alav mefaresh v'kabalah and there is a further interpretation of Kabbalah. Kabbalah means what we call Nach. Right? That the Nevi'im. The Nevi'im explained what happened. And this is a Pasuk in, uh, in Tehillim again. Hoshieni Elohim Kibor Ma'im At Nafesh. Tavati Biyon Metzila Ve'ein Ma'amad Ve'gomel Altist Feini Shibolet Ma'im And all these Sukim uh, all these Sukim uh, indicate that somebody from Yehuda saved the Jews by Jews jumping into the water then there's the third part to the Agadita, the third part at the same time meaning the same time that the tribes were arguing about who should go first and who should go second Moshe Rabbeinu was davening Marich Mitzvila so this is, uh, we're talking about the Egyptians. God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, all these Egyptians are dying and you're davening. That's not the way it should be. I'm not the way it should be. 
ומה בידי לעשות? משה רבנו says to God, what should I do? אמרלוס, השם says to משה רבנו, דבר בני ישראל ויישאו. ואתה, you speak to בני ישראל, tell them to move. ואתרם את מתיך ונתה את ידך. Pick up your staff and נתה את ידך. לפי כך זכה יהודה לעשות ממשלה בישראל. לפי כך, לפי כך, לפי כך, what? What I could continue? That Nachshon ben Aminadav came from Yehuda. But he was one person. He was one person. Why should the whole tribe be blessed with Memshalah, with government, with the king of Israel? Why? The figure says, Yehuda, Nachshon ben Shalab, Yisrael, Shneemar. Ha'ita Yehuda lekotsho, Yisrael mamshalotav. Matam ha'ita Yehuda lekotsho, Yisrael mamshalotav, Mishum da'ayam ra'ah Vayanos. What does that mean? Ayam Ra'avayanos? That the sea saw that somebody jumped in and moved away and let him go. And who is that someone? That someone was Nachshon ben Aminadab. Now who is Nachshon ben Aminadab? So, so we have some information about him but I'd like to read one pasuk which is... Um, which is critical, I guess. Critical. And that's uh, in the end of the parish of Nassau. <laughs> One second. At the end of the parish of Nassau, it tells us what each shavit brought on the Yemei Miluim uh, what they call by note, what sacrifices were brought when the Mishkan was established. So on the first day, on the first day, it says, Vayihi HaMakriv, this is the end of, of uh, this is by Midbar Perik Zayin, Basuk Yudbeit, Vayihi HaMakriv Vayom HaRishon, the one who brought the sacrifices on the first day, of the Hanukkah Mizbeach, of the dedication of the altar at Korbanot. He brought his Korban, meaning all the Korbanot that he brought, those are enumerated through the arm. But listen to this Nachshon ben Aminadav Lemate Yehuda. Nachshon ben Aminadav, that's it, right? That's our man. Lemate Yehuda, a member of the Yehuda uh, tribe. Now, if you look at the second day, I'll look for you. It says, "B'yom Hashini, Ekriv Netanel Ben Suar, Nesi Sachar." The third day, it says, "B'yom Hashini, Nesi Leis Vulun Eliav Ben Chalot." <laughs> Let's go back to our pasuk again. Listen, you have to sometimes listen carefully. What's missing? Nasi, 
Those all the other days who brought the korban, the Nazi of the tribe. So the Arachayim, in his commentary on this spot, says that that Nachshon ben Aminadav was also a Nazi. But why isn't he? Why is that stated in the pasuk? Because he had uh, also personal qualities that would enable him to represent his tribe. Because it's like I say, even if he wasn't Nazi, he would have brought the sacrifice, or he might have brought the sacrifices. And so from this, <coughs> the Arachim reminds us that Nashon ben Aminadav saved the Jewish people. Right? You couldn't confine him to a tribe. You couldn't say, even if he was in the Sea of Judah, all the other Nisim, all the other uh, leaders that are mentioned are leaders of a specific tribe. Only Nachshon ben Aminadav, only Nachshon ben Aminadav was a, uh, uh, a leader of Am Yisrael, according to the second story in the Gemara in... Uh, in uh, in Sota. So in Sota there are three parts to the story, right? The first part is that it was Binyamin. The second story is that it wasn't Binyamin at all, but it was Nachshon ben Aminadav. And the third part of the story is that Moshe Rabbeinu is kind of uh, given a tongue lashing by the Rebbeinish Lila who said to Ma, why, why are you davening? Why are you davening? Dabel b'nei Yisrael So what does that mean? What does that mean? That, that Moshe Rabbeinu, like we're getting back to our first question. Remember the first question? Why isn't Moshe Rabbeinu mentioned the Agada? You know, as after all, the assumption is that Moshe Rabbeinu led the Jews from Israel. But you see that at the crucial point in the story, at the crucial point in the story, which is Kriyat Yatsov, what great does Moshe Rabbeinu get for leadership from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Failing. Whatever that great is, it was a failing grade. Who gets, who gets a passing or a substantive grade at that time, Nachshon, no, Nachshon ben Aminadav, no, Nachshon ben Aminadav, yes. So that, <coughs> that what happened was, what happened was, according to this story, that at the crucial moment, at the crucial moment of Am Yisrael realizing what it was that they were involved with, what the connection between HaKadosh Baruch and Am Yisrael was at that crucial moment Moshe Rabbeinu failed as the leader of Am Yisrael he told them he sort of gave the impression to Am Yisrael that the promise was not sufficient that the promise that God gave to Avram Avinu that we would inherit the land no matter what that somehow that promise was insufficient and therefore he decided to daven, to pray. Prayer is, you know, a very positive thing, but it also sometimes indicates that you don't have any power. Right? Prayer, prayer is, is done by the people, though you're going to take an example, 
of Virasabha undergoing a very serious operation right in a, in a hospital so you wouldn't want the person who does the operation to daven you want him to do the operation as well as he possibly can and the people who can't do the operation they can daven you know because whatever help they can give through daven that's what they can do they begin, you can tell the guy who's doing the operation stop stop davening we're going to say uh, we're going to say Hekakadusha or something I mean it's uh, it's like a ridiculous idea a ridiculous idea so here's Moshe Rabbeinu instead of telling people to jump in in the face of something that could not happen he told he went and he davened davening for Moshe Rabbeinu at that moment was an indication that he himself was not passing on the correct information to the followers and that came from and that came from Nachshon uh, ben uh, Aminadah uh, furthermore but the prophet hmm. says that they believed in Hashem more at that time than any other time yeah. At, the end of the uh, at the very beginning we talked about that the belief in Moshe Rabbeinu the name Israel meant that they believed that God would transmit information through Moshe Rabbeinu they must, what? I thought the king should go around the Kriyat Yansuf yeah but what, what is it they believed I they didn't believe that, that Moshe Rabbeinu could do the miracles even more at that moment than any other moment. <coughs> the puppet, so. No, but, but I think they understood that God did the miracle. Okay, I agree. It takes a little bit of work, but I wanted to make a, a point. Remember we said Binyamin and Yehuda were shared the territory on which the Beit HaMikdash on which the Beit HaMikdash was ultimately ultimately built but uh, this this idea that the leadership and the malchut passed this is the Gemara right we read the Gemara that meant shalach that's the word that the Gemara uses that the leadership that's that's nachshon and men shalach that's Yehuda passed into the hands of the tribe of Yehuda at that moment at that moment because it would seem that the promise of Yaakov Avinu to Yehuda that he would rule was conditional upon Yehuda producing the kind of people who could rule. It was even though it was promised by Yaakov Avinu, it was promised by Yaakov Avinu to Yehuda. It didn't mean, but if you're all a bunch of jerks, that you'll automatically get malchut, you'll get the kingship. But that if you're worthy, you'll get the kingship. That's the, the, the simple shot in the words of Yaakov Avinu. Because that's how it is with prophecy. Prophecy is never perfect. Like, uh, like Yonah went to Nidve and he said, 30 days, Nidve will be overturned. But Nidve was not overturned. Because the people in Nidve did, uh, did repent. And the same thing I think is true about the prophecy of Yaakov Avinu. It says, Yehuda, you are the one who is, who, who is liable to be the king. But you have to prove yourself worthy of being a king. 
And apparently until the birth of David HaMelech, they were not worthy. Because before the kingship of David HaMelech, there was the kingship of, of Shaul HaMelech. And Shaul HaMelech was which tribe? Right? Benjamin. Was it the tribe of Binyamin? Right, who are the, right there they, it's not just that, uh, that, uh, Shaul HaMelech was tall, but he was worthy. And if he is worthy, and there's nobody worthy from the tribe of Yudah, and this is something that the Rabban explains in the parish of Ayyachim, which I think I've mentioned to you here, that, <laughs> according to the Rabban, the man says, what if Shaul HaMelech had really proven himself to be worthy and had not sort of uh, cracked at the end of his reign trying to kill David HaMelech? He says, well, if he would have been worthy, he would have remained king. What would have happened to the promise of Yaakov Avinu to Yehuda that he would be king? So the Rabban says, so they won't be kings. Because later on, there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom he says that's something intrinsic that in, that, that in this struggle between Yehuda and Binyamin, right, there was first the upper hand by Binyamin, which is also the story of the Gemara, where first they say, no, it was Binyamin, who must have, have run into the sea. Why? Because Binyamin was the first king. Roger was the first king, so he must have been the first one to run the sea. Second opinion, Rabbi Yehuda says to Rabbi Man, no, that's not what happened. Because Binyamin somehow was phased out, but he was in contention. And even Yehuda was phased out. I mean, neither of them jumped into the sea. Only the one person, Nachshon ben Aminadav, who proved that there was leadership in Yisrael even when Moshe Rabbeinu was not able to, to exercise that leadership. So you know that, that in the history of Am Yisrael, you could say it, say it this way. Moshe Rabbeinu represented the perfect leader and the per- perfect jurist and the perfect lawgiver. So the, the, the question, of course, is how could Am Yisrael continue after he dies? Like we know that today, uh, you know, all kinds of people claim, uh, make claims about themselves, and they die, and the enterprise goes on. You know, like enterprises, but I don't know if we could say that. The Gemara says, the Gemara says that when Moshe Rabbeinu, the Gemara Tamura says that Moshe Rabbeinu died, Yeshua Ben Nun tried, he had thousands of questions that were unanswered. So he turned to Akadosh Baruch and he said, look, I've got these thousands of questions. Can you just send me a computer printout with all the, all the answers? And the Rabbanish son said to Yeshua Ben-Nun, those days are over. You have to go figure it out yourself. You know, you know this? That's called figuring it out. That's, how you, that's what Am Yisrael lived on. Also, the leadership of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the perfect leader. He always spoke in defense of Am Yisrael. He was able to convince HaKadosh Baruch Hu not to punish them, even after, not to punish them too severely, even after the Chait HaEgel. So, taking over that position would be quite difficult. It would be hard to imagine that anybody could do it. But you see, at the time of Kriyat Yamsuf,
that was the time when the Jews received an indication that there would be leadership in Israel, and that leadership would either be Binyamin or it would be Yehuda. Uh, eventually, it passed into the hands of of two. There were two kings, as the Ramban, perhaps you could say the Ramban predicted, but there was a southern kingdom, right? The southern kingdom, the king was uh, was uh, Rechavam, right? Remember Rechavam? He was the the son of Shlomo HaMelech. And after the reign of Shlomo HaMelech, which was the uh, greatest um, reign of Am Yisrael, the greatest territory, the greatest building, he built the Beit HaMikdash. But after he died, the people were not willing, I mean, it's like a recurrent story, the people were not willing to suffer the taxation that they had suffered under Shlomo HaMelech. And Yechavam, his son, promised them that he would tax them even more than his father. So at that time, there was a split in the northern kingdom. The, uh, the king became Yeravam ben Nevat. He was the king, uh, king of Israel, and he was anointed separately by a prophet whose name was Achiah HaShiloni. I feel like I'm ready for the... Bible conference. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Yeah. Didn't work out. Okay. So, it may be the absence of Moshe Rabbeinu in the Haggadah is connected to all of these things. That there was a moment. A moment. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu was a great leader and took the Jews out of Mitzrayim and brought them there to Israel or at least to the point of, nevertheless, there was a moment when his leadership was called into question, and that moment was Kriyat Yamsuf, and that moment was necessary for Am Yisrael in order to be able to have Malchut kingship, which first was in the hands of Binyamin, and then the hands of Yehuda. Yes? Do you think then that they I mean, they had the lesson at the time of the Amoraim. I don't know if they had all this figured out, at the, all of this figured out at the moment. But later on, it made sense to them. Maybe. See, <laughs> so you're skeptical. Okay. <laughs> You can't convince everybody. Okay, Remember, the rule is that if you have a Shiloh, ask a rabbi. There are a lot of rabbis here in Yerushalayim. They're all doing nothing but waiting for you to ask them. 